pumpkin spice everything nowadays. But thank you all for playing. Thank you for being here on this lovely fall day. Uh, So grateful to have you with us. As I mentioned earlier, we are finishing up a three-part series today that has a very long title, an unnecessarily long title, but this uh, series is called Between Two Masters, The Problem of Unidentified Greed. And that's just it about greed. Greed can be sneaky. Greed greed can be there. And uh, you don't even really notice it. And as I talk about greed, I'm just going to move that money there, okay? Um, It can be one of these things that that exists in your heart. and You don't even realize it's there until you think about it, until you understand what greed is. And so week one, we took a, a, a look at the definition of greed. If we could put that slide up for us, just for fun, we'll take a look at that. There it is. Greed, in case you forgot from the first week of the series, greed is a selfish and excessive desire for more of something, such as money, than is needed. A selfish desire for more than you need. A selfish desire for more than you need, more than the essentials, more than just to to make sure you've got the basics covered. A selfish and excessive desire for more than you need. And so week one, we talked about the fact that... um, that greed, it's not just a problem for the wealthy. Sometimes that's a misconception that we have. Well, it's the wealthy people and it's the rich people and they kind of hoard their wealth and they've got greed issues. But for people who have you know, less money, it's not really an issue for us. But that's just not, that's not the case because greed is a problem, can be a problem for all of us because greed, it's not really a money issue. It's a heart issue. It comes down to this desire for more of something than you need. So we talked about that week one. And then last Sunday, we talked about how greed, for those of us who are trying to do this thing of of following Jesus, for those of us who are trying to be Christians or disciples or whatever terminology you want to use, greed can get in our way of trusting Jesus. When we look to what Jesus said specifically in Matthew chapter 6, when he's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us that we don't need to worry about having our needs met. All we need to do is trust him and seek him first, and he will take care of the rest. That's my paraphrase on that, and you can read that for yourself, Matthew chapter 6. And so he's given us this promise, and so sometimes our greed, our want, our desire for more than we need gets in our way of being able to trust Jesus. Say, well, Jesus, maybe you can meet that need, but I want more. And so that's what we discussed last week. And so now we move on to this week, and really, we're going to focus in, I know this series is, is about greed, and greed, like it's tied to money, but really, this message is about our priorities when it comes to how we handle our money, our priorities. Um, I need to tell you a story. Back um, in the day when I was a kid, I was very much into Halloween. I still kind of am. I guess I still really am into Halloween. I was never in. Holly's like, yeah, you're into. I was never one who liked the scary stuff or like the ghosts and all that stuff. I just liked the fun stuff. I liked the candy. I liked the decorating. I used to have Halloween parties in the basement of my parents' house. That was weird, but, but I really enjoyed Did you have those too? Yeah. Really enjoyed that, just the costumes thing, and I would like plan out my costume for like months and months and months in advance what I wanted to be. Well, when I was nine years old, this was the summer now, and I decided that I wanted to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle for Halloween, specifically Raphael. Um, He was cool but rude, whereas Michelangelo was a party dude, right? Um, That's from the song. So anyway, I wanted to be Raphael. But I wanted to go all out. I didn't want one of those cheap plastic faces, you know, with the, like, elastic. I wanted, like, a real good-looking Raphael mask. And so Davis's Trading Post, God bless, what a weird place that is. They've got those costumes there. Isn't that fun? And so I walked in, and I found this awesome, you know, full-head Raphael mask, and it was $22, and I really wanted to buy it. So this is the summer. It's actually August, but, you know, before Halloween, you had a few months to go, and I really wanted to buy this thing. But like a lot of nine-year-olds, I was broke, I was unemployed, and really unemployable. And so I had a couple dollars to my name, 
but I didn't have that 22, it's funny that I remember how much it cost. <laughs> um, I didn't have enough to buy this thing and I really wanted it. Well, it just so happened that um, my, my grandmom stopped by unexpectedly. Um, my dad's mom, this happened and she was there with my great aunt. She popped over the house and by the way, my parents loved when she would drop by unexpectedly. So she popped by for an unexpected visit but she, before she left, she put $20 in my hand. $20. That was a lot of money back then for a nine-year-old to have. And my first thought when I had that money in my hand was, oh, it's turtle time, right? <laughs> I'm going to walk up to Davis's. I'm going to buy that mask. I got enough money to buy that now. That was my first thought. Let's have a pizza party. Let's be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But I tell you what. My first thought, I'll tell you what my first thought wasn't. <clears throat> my first thought wasn't, hey, you know what? I don't need this 20 bucks. I'm nine years old. I got no bills to pay, all right? I've got all my needs taken care of. Somebody else buys my food and buys my clothes. I've got a roof over my head. Maybe I should give this to somebody in need. I didn't think about that because that was not my first priority. It just wasn't as a nine-year-old. I mean, what nine-year-old thinks that way? Some do, but not me. <laughs> I didn't think that way. That was not my first. Or maybe not the whole thing. Maybe I give a portion of that away to somebody else who was in need. Maybe I give a portion of it to my church so they could help people who are in need. I didn't think that way because giving it away was not a priority for me. I also didn't think about saving it. Like, well, maybe one day I'll go to college and maybe I should put this in a college account and let that build. Or maybe I should put this in a retirement account because it's never, I know I'm only nine, but it's never too soon. I didn't think that way about that $20 because saving was not a priority for me. My priority was turtle time, okay? I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle, and that was on my heart, that was on my mind. That was my priority at the time. Now, I think you'll be relieved to know that my priorities have changed, right? When it's payday, I don't go out to buy, you know, costumes for the most part. I mean, every once in a while I do. But my priorities have changed over time. Um, over the years, I've listened to Countless messages by Andy Stanley. Some of you know who that guy is. He's a church planner and a pastor and an author, and I, I really appreciate the ministry that he does. He has a, a church in, in uh, Georgia and several other campuses. But he's talked about money on several occasions. And when he talks about money, he says there are basically three things we can do with our money, three categories, three different things we can do with our money. We can give it, right? That's one thing you can do when you receive money. You can give it away or you can give a portion of it away. Another thing you can do with your money is you can save it, right? Save it for yourself or save it for someone else. Save it for college, save it for retirement. Or the other thing you can do with money is you can live off of it, right? Well, that's kind of obvious, right? Buy food, pay bills, put a roof over your head, all that kind of stuff. And so those are the three, kind of generally speaking, the three categories of things that we can do with our money. And wouldn't you know it, today happens to be Prop Day at Hope Community Church. I know. <laughs> That was some half-hearted applause if I ever heard it. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> no. I moved the table. Yeah. All right. So we've got these three. Now, we can make up more categories, right? We can make up like a waste category. That's something we could do with our money or like an unnecessary spending category. That, yeah, but for right now, we're going to clump that all under live. So live, live is one of the things that you can do with your money, right? Sustain life. And the other one is give. And the other one is save. Now, the question... The question is, how do we prioritize these three categories? What comes first here? What do we do first? And what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you to do two things today. 
I'm, asking, I'm going to ask you to think about what are your current priorities on payday? What are your current priorities? How would you arrange these three items? What do you do first? Do you live first and then save next and then give next? Or maybe you just have this one there. Or maybe you do this and then this. Like, what are the priorities that you have when it comes to payday? And let me just, we're going to add to the props here. Let me arrange this so you can tell the order here. So we've got number one, number two, number three. So what would you put in which order? What's the first thing you do? And I'm actually going to give you a little moment of silence to think about this. What are your current priorities on payday? The next question I'm going to ask you to consider is what should they be? What should the priorities be? Now, a lot of people, a lot of people would say, well, well, let's not worry about figuring out two and three. A lot of people would say, well, number one is obvious. Number one is live. <laughs> because without live, you can't do any of the other stuff, right? I mean, you need to sustain life. You got you to pay the bills. Payday comes around. First priority, pay them bills, right? You got Pico and rent or mortgage or whatever it is. You got to live first. That's what a lot of people would say. Other people would say, no, 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 no. If you do this first, you might not ever get to this. And so some people say the first priority on payday has got to be save. Take a percentage off the top before you start living and spending, right, and maybe living beyond your means. The first thing you need to do is save because if you do this first, you might not ever get to this, right? So you need to save. Take a percentage, whether it's 5% or 10% or 20% of that money, and save it. That's what you need to do. Then you can live, and maybe if there's any left over, then you can give. That's how some people would arrange it there. So the question is, how should we arrange these financial priorities? What should they be? Now, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, um, you know, I say this all the time, following Jesus is, it's countercultural, it's counterintuitive, and, and we don't, those of us who are following Jesus, we've been called to live a, a holy life, which really, it sounds like a big scary term, but really just means set apart. We have different priorities from the rest of the world. We see things through the lens of what Jesus has taught us. And so when it comes to our money, the way that we arrange these priorities might be different than people who are outside of the faith. And so for those of you who are here this morning who are Christians, I'm going to talk to you today And for those of you who are not Christians or if you're on the fence or if you're not sure about this whole thing, um, I just want you to be aware of what our priorities as Christians should be. And so we're going to go back to the Bible. We're going to go back to this this strange um, Bible reading that Joyce read for us today. Thank you, by the way, Joyce. And so this is, this is a, a difficult passage of Scripture, and you only have a couple of verses, and this is in isolation. So I'm going to try to give you some context as to what's going on here. Because in this passage, it's the first time, it's the first time that we are met with this principle of first fruits. This Christian principle of first fruits and giving the first fruits, a percentage off the top, the best to God. And so this takes place such a long time ago, we're talking about the second generation of human beings to walk the face of the earth. 
We have Adam and Eve, and they have some sons, Cain and Abel. Cain is the older one. And by the way, I need to say this when it comes to the book of Genesis and it comes to what we read in there. Some people read the book of Genesis and they think it's more like folklore or legend. Other people read the book of Genesis and they believe it's, it's like, take it literally like me. I take this book very literally. Some people don't. But the point is this, whether you take it literally like me or whether you read it figuratively, the lesson is still the same. So that's something important to remember. And so what we had is we had Adam and Eve, and this is after their fall, this is after they disobey God, this is after sin entered into their lives and into the world, and they have kids in this sinful world. They're born into this sinful state. And there's so much we don't know about this second generation, what life was like back then. There's so much we don't know about how God communicated with this second generation. I mean, we do know from the text that God did communicate with Cain and Abel. He was able to communicate with them. There was a way for them to to talk back and forth in some capacity. We don't exactly know what kind of instructions that he gave Cain and Abel, but we do know that they knew or they understood that they had to bring something to God, some kind of sacrifice, that they had to take something out of their wealth, out of their stuff, and give it to God. They understood that. And so what we see in this passage is Abel, Abel who, who tended the animals and took care of the, of the livestock. We see Abel understanding this. Somehow he, he got a grasp of this idea. He needed to bring something that was his and sacrifice it before God. And so what Abel did is he took a look at all that he had, right? And it wasn't money in a bank. It was livestock, right? He took a look at all that he had, and he took a percentage of the best, the highest quality cuts of meat, right? The best animals that he tended to. They said, I'm going to give these to God. And so what did that actually look like? Did he put them on an altar? Was it a fire? Was it, I don't know exactly the details there because we don't have the details, but he gave the best to God. Now, now the other brother, Cain, we know that he didn't have that same attitude, Cain, he was the farmer. He was in charge of, of, you know, growing the food from the earth. And so he saw this principle and he thought, why would, I, why would I waste the best of what I have and just giving it to God? It's not as if God needs my, you know, vegetables and fruit that I'm growing. I'm just going to give him some. And so you see from the text there, it says that Abel gave fat portions while Cain just gave some. And so we're left with this idea that Cain was kind of just being like, well, I'm not going to choose from the best. I'm going to make some kind of token offering to God, but it just doesn't make sense. Why would it have to be the best? I'm just going to give him a little, little something, something to know, you know, I, I got you, God, right? I got you. And so, of course, they bring their offerings before the Lord, and the Lord favored one over the other. Of course, the Lord favored Abel's offering because Abel took this step out in faith, trusted him with that, whatever the percentage was, but the best of what he had and gave it back to God. This was a sign of faith. This was a sign of trust. This was a sign of what we talked about last week. Now, last week we talked about how Jesus says, seek me first. Seek me first. Make me the number one priority in your life. And this is one way that Abel was doing that way before the time of Jesus. I'm going to make God first in my life, give him the best And God favored that. And how did Cain feel about it? It says his face was downcast. He was upset about it. You know, I kind of think of this as like a a parent, if you have multiple kids and, you know, one has done something good and the other one's not, and you favor that one. It's like, well, you do something good too. I mean, God was in this position. It's like, why is your face downcast? If you did the right thing, you would be favored too. 
And that's the other thing we need to understand when it says that God favored Abel's sacrifice, God favored Abel's offering. That doesn't just mean he's like, hey, good job, pat on the back. That means there's some kind of blessing associated with that. Some kind of favor was given to him. Maybe Abel was, <laughs> Abel was able. Maybe Abel was then able to be even more prosperous in what he did. Maybe that was the blessing he received. Maybe he just had a spirit of joy or a spirit of peace that he was given. I don't know what it was, but God showed some kind of favor to Abel. Abel said, I'm trusting you with the best that I have. I'm trusting you. I'm going to give to you first. I have this faith. I'm trusting on you. And God gave him some kind of favor back. We don't know exactly what that looked like. But we know that Cain did not receive that favor, not receive that blessing, because he gave just some of what he had. And so God says, if you want to remedy this, all you need to do is, is do like your younger brother. <laughs> Any older brothers out there, how would you feel about that? Just do what your younger brother's doing. Be more like your younger brother. And so, but, but what God said was true. McCain, if you know the story, Cain does not say, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to give. Next time I present an offering, it's going to be bigger. I'm going to give the best to God. He doesn't do that. He said he's jealous. He's angry. And he kills his brother. He kills his brother. Now, why, why didn't... <laughs> why didn't he go back and just give more to God? Why didn't, it, why didn't Cain just go back and collect his stuff and say, I'm going to give more to God? Maybe it was greed. Can we put that definition back up there? Can we back that up to that? Maybe it was greed in his heart, this selfish and excessive, excessive desire for more of something than is needed. He just didn't want to part with his stuff. And so that greed got a hold of his heart, and, and so he wasn't able to make God his first priority. And so that greed took him over and turned into jealousy. I mean, week one, we talked about all the friends of greed. Well, some of the friends of greed, like envy is one, and pride is one. I mean, they all kind of hang out together, you know, with greed. And so this kind of, it, 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 it didn't kind of, it did, it, it overtook him and led to him murdering. I'd rather kill this guy than part with my stuff. That's greed. I mean, it's a lot of things, but it's also greed. And so we see this happen here, and then we move. I get such a weird kind of story, and it's, if you just read this story about what happened, isolated from the rest of Scripture, you'd have a lot of questions in your mind. But then we see the story of, of how God reveals himself and how God works through other people. Later on in Genesis, we meet a man named Abram, who God later, uh, renames Abraham. And we see that this man, he comes face to face with this, uh, this king priest named Melchizedek which is a strange thing. There was a man who was both a king and a priest. And by the way, your little you know, bonus bit of theology for the day or Bible knowledge is that some people think this, this guy um, was a theophany, was an appearance of God in the flesh before Jesus. Anyway, he meets Melchizedek, and what does he do when he meets this king priest of God? He gives to him 10% of all he has. This is yours now, giving it to God, a man of God. Now, later on, you get into the book of Exodus, and that's where things get more official with God. God commands his nation, his chosen people, the Israelites, you need to give back to me. I need to be your first priority. 10% off the top comes back to God, all right? 10% comes back, not after you're done spending it on other things, not after you're done saving or living, but 10% needs to come to me first. And the reasoning behind that was very clear. You need to take care of the priests who run the temple, and they need to take care of the people in the community who are in need. So you see that, and later on, you're still in the Old Testament. Later on, we read the book of Malachi, and, and during the days of Malachi, there was an issue among the people of God where, where they knew they were supposed to bring a tenth, and they just weren't. 
I mean, some people were saying, oh, yeah, I'm bringing a tenth of my possessions to God, but nobody really knows, and it's actually only like, you know, 2% or whatever. And other people were just weren't doing it at all. And God says, listen, you know the commandment. Me first is what God says. I'm worth it. Seek me first. Give to me first. Bring the full tithe is what God says. Bring the full tithe to the storehouse and see if I don't bless you back like crazy. Again, my paraphrase. It's like you can't, what God promises there is this, you can't outgive me. You seek me first. You trust me with your everything, including your wealth, and I will bless you back. It's one of the few times, maybe the only time in Scripture where God says, put me to the test. You're afraid to give to me first? Put me to the test. Give it a try and see if I don't bless you back. And that blessing, it's not always a money thing. It's not always a monetary thing. It's not always about that, okay? And I want to be sure we're, we're, we're clear on that because there's this thing called the prosperity gospel. Where people say, oh, if you give to God, you're going to be rich. No, 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 no. God doesn't promise that. Jesus doesn't promise that. It's not about that. But we do get this message throughout the Old Testament. Now, of course, that's just that. It's the Old Testament. Jesus comes and everything changes, right? So now those of us who are followers of Jesus, we're not under that old law of the Ten Commandments. We're not under the old laws that we read about in Exodus and Deuteronomy. We're not under all that because Jesus came and fulfilled and satisfied those laws for us. And yet to this day, there are still Christians, followers of Jesus, who say, I'm going I'm to choose, not because I have to, but I'm going to choose to observe this giving to God first principle, this first fruits principle. And there are Christians, and, and, and many in this very church, who give to God first, who come and bring their offerings to God first, and their percentage givers, whether that's 5%, 5% first goes to God, or whether they do the full tithe, okay, 10% goes to God first. Before I pay my taxes, before I pay my bills, giving comes first. And by the way, I just need to clarify this. If you've been hanging out in church long enough, or if you've you know, been around Christian people, and they say, well, if you're a Christian, you have to tithe, you just need to know that that's not true. You don't have to. There's no law, though, for you're a real Christian, you need to do this. No, absolutely not. Because the law, the commandment, that's done. That's been fulfilled. But the promise of God remains. The promise of God carries over to us today. If you trust me first with your finances, if you give me right off the top the best of what you have, I will take care of you. I will give back to you. That's the promise that still exists to this day. To this day. And so we're left with this dilemma here of how do, we, how do we organize these priorities? How do you? That's the first question I asked. How do you and how should you? A lot of people do this, to live first, save, and then give. Okay. Some people do this first, save, live, then give. But I believe... If we're going to follow the Bible's teaching, the first thing, we can talk about number two and three later, but the first thing that we need to do is give back. Number one priority on payday, you get that check in your hand when it shows up in your automatic direct deposit in your bank account for most of us. First priority isn't, oh, I got to pay the bills. That's what I got to do first. Oh. First thing we do is give back to God. The first fruits, the first priority. And what I suggest here, what I'm encouraging you to think about is a percentage goes back to God, whether that's a tithe or whatever it is, goes back to God. And that's between you and God to figure out. Nobody else is going to hold you accountable. That's between you and God to figure out how much do you give back? What does that look like? Where do you give it? 
You know, for me, and you probably won't be surprised to know this, but I'm a big believer in the local church, right? I wouldn't be a pastor and a church planner if I didn't believe in the local church. And I believe that the local church, what we're doing here right now, who we are as a community and how we serve our community, this is the most effective way to share the gospel with other people. And so Holly and I, no matter what church, no matter what church we've been a part of, we always give that full tithe goes to the local church. Now, we do support other things beyond that, but the full tithe goes to the local church because we're passionate about the ministry that takes place in the local church. Now, you don't have to do it that way. You don't have to think about it that way, but that's, that's my journey with God. That's my journey with Jesus, what he's revealed to me. And so other Christians, they take that 10%, say, I'm going to tie to God, and some of that goes to my local church, some of that goes to missionaries, and that's fine, that's acceptable too. What, this is between you and God to figure out. But the important thing is to make Him first. When you give to God, <laughs> you're helping other people. That's the idea. It's not like back in the old days where we just bring Him something and burn it up and say, well, that's just me trusting you. It's more than that now. We bring Him something and say, well, this is me trusting you, and I know that you're going to help other people with this. Let me back up here because I know everybody gets uncomfortable when I talk about tithe and the giving and stuff in church. I just want to remind you of what it says in your bulletin here. Um, when you looked at our budget update there, just to make this clear, we don't need your money. <laughs> All right? <laughs> we're not after This would be an entirely different message if I was like, oh, man, we're in the hole and I, you guys got to cough up. That's not what this message is, Right? We're fine. We don't need your money. And every single Sunday, I try to make a point of telling our visitors and our guests, don't put anything in that because that's not for you. That's for the people who are a part of this, who want to see this ministry sustained. And that's true. And by the way, you're a visitor and you're a guest for as long as you want to be. We've had people who, I'm, I'm just a guest. I'm not a part of this yet. You can be a guest for years and years before you decide, I'm a part of this. I trust this. I believe it's going to be put to good use. Boom. Okay? So I just need to make that clear, right? But this is more about giving back to God. Is this, shouldn't this be, right? If we're trying to do this Christianity thing, if we're trying to live out what God has said, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, shouldn't this be number one? God, I'm giving back to you. God, whatever I have, this was Abel's way of thinking, whatever I have is from you in the first place. The fact that I was able to earn this, the fact that I was able to go, go to work, the fact that I was able to go to school and get trained, the fact that my parents supported me, whatever it is, this is because of you. You are the ultimate source of everything that I have, and it's all yours anyway. So I'm going to give back to you off the top. Give first. Now, what do we do next if we're trying to follow the biblical principles of how we handle money? What do we do next? That's where not everybody agrees because this whole issue of save it's not really addressed in Scripture. So where should this go? Is this two? Is this three? How does this work? I mean, there's this um, parable that Jesus tells about a man who, uh, maybe you remember this one if you're familiar with the, with the Gospels, but as a man, he's a, uh, he owns land, and he has this abundant harvest, and he's like, whoa, I've got crops that exceed my wildest dreams. I'm going to tear down my old barns, build new ones, and store all this stuff up for myself for later. And Jesus says, well, that very night, that guy died was face-to-face -face with God. It's like, what are you going to do with all your stuff you saved? And so there's that. And some people say, well, does that mean we're not supposed to save? But the important thing to remember is that this man chose to save instead of give, right? And so that's what Jesus was addressing there. And so here's the way of thinking about it. And really, really, listen, my journey of faith, I told you, like this thing I've got, you know, we, we believe in the tithing thing and giving back to God first. But this piece, I've, I've kind of been confused about. 
But let me tell you where I've landed on this now. I believe this is the way to do it. And you could disagree, but I believe this is the way to do it. Give first, then save, then live. Let me tell you why, okay? There's a couple reasons. Now, some people in this room have like a retirement account or something, and you're planning for a day where you're not going to be able to work, and you don't want to be a burden to other people in your life. Hey, listen, that's wise, okay? And that makes sense. You don't want to be a burden to other people, a financial burden or whatever it is. But we need to balance that out with this, okay? <clears throat> Here's the reality. You are going to be in need of support, all right? You come into this world, and you're a burden to your parents, all right? Let's stop using that word. But they take care of you. You're little. You can't work. You can't feed yourself. You need other people. And there are times in your life where you need other people. And that's the beauty of the church and community. We support each other, and as a family, we take care of each other. And so, yes, yes, it's why. Okay, I don't want to be a burden to others, but at the same time, you got to know that even if you have a big pile of money, you're still going to need help from other people. And so here's the real reason I think that it should be give, save, live. It's all about what you're saving for. And as long as you're dedicating these funds to Jesus as well, giving these gods, or you're saying, okay, listen, I'm saving, but this is your God, here's why. What if God... What if God speaks to you and says, listen, listen, you know that young family struggling in your church? I want you to pay off their mortgage. You're going to be able to do that with your next paycheck, right? But if you've been saving, if you've been putting money away, you're not even sure what you're putting it away for. You think, you know, this is probably for my future, probably for retirement. I'm not exactly sure. And then God lays that on your heart. If you have it there, you could say yes if you're brave enough, right? I mean, can you imagine if God put that on your heart? You see that young family? Struggling in your church? Pay off their mortgage. Are you sure? Uh, God, we got a bad connection. Is that, yeah, I'm not, I don't know. Maybe I'll try this tithing thing, but you know what I mean? Or, or God says to you, you know, that, you know that young man trying to go to school and can't afford to go to college? I want you to pay for his tuition. If you have it there, you can use it for God. And so I would say save belongs in that second spot as long as we have the understanding that if God asks for it, it's his. It's his. And the other reason why I think saving, you know, there's so many reasons. The other reason is because if we do this next, we're not going to get to this. <laughs> if we're going to do this next, we may live beyond our means, right? Spend more than we need to. And that whole, you know, how we define need. Oh, here's, these are the essentials. This is what I need. Everybody defines that a little bit differently. But if we make this second, we're not going to get to this necessarily, right? This is a mistake that I've made, all right? A little bit. I'm just owning that, right? But if we, get, we, get, if we do this next, put that in the third spot. Give. Oops. Sorry, I got confused. Give. <laughs> too many props. Give, save, live. Give back to God first. First fruits, first priority, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe it's supporting a missionary. Maybe it's supporting your local church. Maybe it's 5%. Maybe it's 50%. I don't know what it looks like for you. But to give back to God first, I trust you. The thing about the tithe is what you're saying to God is, I trust that I'm going to be able to live off the 90. I'm giving you the 10, knowing and trusting that I'm going to be able to live off the rest. Give to God first, then to save. I'm going to save this up so maybe I can take care of myself. Maybe I can take care of other people as needs arise. I don't know, but I'll have it there. And then to pay the bills, then to have enough. That's, I believe, that's what God would have us do. What gets in our way of living like this? Listen, I'm reading your faces. I see what you're thinking, okay? I don't know about this, right? What gets in our way of living like this? 
Well, for some of us, we think, well, listen, there's just not enough money to go around. There's only number one. There's only, all I can do is live, and I'm barely getting by on that. I hear that. That makes sense. And then we're left with this tough thing. It's like, listen, if there's not enough money to do all these things, what do you get rid of first? Does this go first? Does this go first? I mean, you can't get rid of this one, right? How do we do this practically? I hear you. Listen, I don't need to give you my financial history, but I get the struggle, okay? <laughs> I get the struggle. What, what do I sacrifice here? But we have to think about what's really the issue. Is the issue really there's not enough money to go around? I can only choose one, so I got to do this one. Is that really the issue? Or are you living beyond your means? Is your lifestyle bigger than your salary? Maybe. Listen, I'm not, you know, who am I to like convict you or, or whatever, you know? Maybe, maybe it's not a lack of money. Maybe this is the issue. Maybe greed prevents us from filling in these three priorities in the correct order. It's like, well, yeah, if, if I do this, then I'm not going to have enough to do this. If I do this, and if I do this, where's my Ninja Turtle mask? I'm not going to be able to buy it, right? Or whatever the thing is, or whatever it is, you know, some of the stuff we consider necessities, maybe what's really in our way is wanting more than we need. And so I would just encourage you in this way, if you feel like all I can do is this one, maybe it's time to reassess where your money is going, what you consider necessities. Did you know this? I don't know if you're aware of this, but you don't need to have cable. Did you know that? You know what I mean? There are certain things that we consider necessities that really aren't, and if we start cutting some of these things out of our lives, maybe all of a sudden, oh, I've got some room to do this. And what do you know? I've got some room to do this. And what I would say to you is this. If, if this is a challenge for you, just go for it. Go for the giving. Go for the giving thing. Try it. God says, put me to the test. Put me to the test. I need to tell you a story. Um, so years ago, uh, there's, there's a couple I know, and they were an older couple, and they were um, going to a different church. They were going to a great church. They were going to a church that did a lot of uh, awesome ministries, and you know, I, I knew the pastor there, and you know, wonderful couple, older couple, and they um, were tithers. They were percentage givers. They took 10% off the top, and they gave it to their local church. They were also um, lower income. They were a lower income family, and so the tithe thing was really, was really a faith move for them. And so it was an older couple going to this great church, had decided to do this thing, and this church always had a surplus. In other words, this church did not need them to tithe. If they stopped tithing, they probably wouldn't even notice, right, because that tithe was so little. And an older couple, they decided to do this, and then the husband died, and the woman was left a widow. And I was having a conversation with her, and she was talking about, you know, the challenges now. And, I mean, if you've lost a spouse, you know what that's like, all these challenges. If you lose a loved one, and it's like you got to go through the grief, and then you got to make all these other decisions as well. There's finest stuff to think about. There's what do you do going forward stuff to think about. And so I was talking with this older woman, and she was kind of sharing part of her struggle, part of her journey, and, and she was talking about this thing of, of giving, <laughs> talking about this priority number one and saying that her and her husband used to do this. She said, I don't know if I can keep doing it. I don't know if I can keep doing it now that it's just me. And here's what I wanted to tell her, okay? What I wanted to tell her was, well, stop! You know, you're poor. You ain't got no money, and your church doesn't need it. That's what I wanted to say to her. Your church is doing fine, and they wouldn't even notice if you stopped doing it. I, those words almost came out of my mouth, but I felt like, and maybe, maybe this is God. I don't know. It's tough to tell. I think, I think God stopped me from saying that. 
and instead I said, I think this is a time in your life where you need to stretch yourself even further. Keep giving. Keep giving. And this is what I said. I said, now is the time to put God to the test. And I will tell you, this was years ago, years later, and she heard me on that, and she felt like God was convicting her, and so she kept tithing. And this poor little old lady isn't out, and she kept giving that 10% to God first. She was still working. She was still employed. And, and I'll tell you this much. After, after her husband died, she was able to get more hours at her job. She was able to receive, she, I think she received multiple raises at that job. And so it looks like God took care of her. To this day, God has taken care of her. And so this is, this is what I'm saying. It's like maybe if, if things are tight, maybe we need to press in to the give piece. Give. Put God to the test. Let him do this and see what happens. Can we trust him enough to do that? Or are we going to let greed get in our way? What are we going to do? I know this stuff isn't easy. I know this stuff isn't easy. And so like I said earlier, my first question for you is, how would you arrange these things? My second question is, how should we? If you agree with that, you need to decide, how will you start living that out? If you're going to give back to God, what does that look like? What's the percentage? Where does it go? How are you going to live this out? I believe this approach to handling your finances gets rid of this issue for us. You, you can't have both in your heart. You can't live out these priorities and still carry greater. It, you just can't. It cancels it out. So I'm going to encourage you to think about how can you press into the give? How can you do that now? And, and will you let God prove himself to you? Will you let God show you, hey, you can trust me with this? Let's pray on that. Father God, we do acknowledge that um, however much or however little we have, it's from you. And so we thank you, God, for what you've given us, and we thank you for the relationships that you brought into our life. We thank you for the friends. We thank you for the family members. We thank you for the people who have supported us along the way, for parents and grandparents. We thank you for people who have invested in our lives. And Father God, we also thank you for our finances. We thank you for the, the money that you've given us to survive, and, and we want to be able to have an, an able attitude where we acknowledge that all that we have is from you. So Father God, speak to us this day. Show us how you would have us rearrange our financial priorities so that we can honor you with our wealth, so that we can honor you with what you've given us. Father God, we want to believe what you've told us in your word, that we can trust you with this, so give us the courage to believe. Give us the courage to take that next step forward in trusting you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.